Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And I will let Ron do the introduction to our movie this week. Uh, this time, this episode, our movie is Skyscraper, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Who's that again? Never heard of him. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm really glad he's getting some work, you know? I, yeah, I always was... thought he had a future in this industry, but just no one will throw the guy a bone, you know? Yeah, they definitely haven't thrown him $10 billion worldwide on his box office <laughs> res- revenue. That's you know, un- actu- like actually unheard of. That's just insane. How much? I, I wonder how much of that is like um, the Fast and the Furious sequels that everyone fucking races out to watch 17 times. Like, <laughs> okay, first off, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Second off. Uh, Tokyo, Tokyo drifted the fucking box office to give all their money to Dwayne <laughs> The Rock Johnson. Uh, I forget he's in those. I know, like, uh, you stopped watching as soon. Like, it's so weird because, like, you liked Fast and the Furious and you love The Rock, and as soon as he joined the franchise, you're just like, "Yeah, hey, I'm just not interested in The Rock being in the Fast and the Furious movies anymore." I I watched one. I saw him in one of them. What whichever one his first one was, I think it was maybe Fast and Five. Furious nineteen. Five was his uh first one. With I'm pretty sure it was Fast and Furious twenty three. Nah, you're getting 23 mixed up with 47. You, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My bad. But before we get to our review this week, I think we have a couple questions. So let's see. Do you want to start off with uh, Bobby's or would you like to lead off with Chris's? Who, I don't. Usually we kind of go in like chronological order on when they were submitted. I'm assuming Chris probably had hers uh, first. Do you want to do Chris's first? Yeah, we can do Chris's first. Sure. Oh, and by the way, if you would like your own prompt or question uh, discussed by Ron and myself, because we love babbling about literally anything, you can email us screenplayrewind at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at SPRFilmCast. Okay, Ron, what does Chris ask us this week? She wants to know if you could live in any house or house-like structure from a movie or TV show that is not a vehicle... Which one would it be? Hmm. My immediate answer was TARDIS, so she threw in the not a vehicle. Yeah, that's the uh, like because uh, you have like the you know eternal reaching city that is the TARDIS, and you can yeah. do anything with that. She was like, so. I mean, it, when I originally said that, she's like, I mean, he does live in it, but I'm like, live in it. It had like six different bedrooms, and there was a pool, and there was this whole joke about like they caught River Song. As she fell into the TARDIS in the pool, they like slid the pool around to a different room, and there was this big splash of water that came out of the front doors when she fell in. Like you can like shift the rooms around the way you want them and stuff. But she was like, "No, she's like it, it's more a vehicle first. And I was like, All "I could, right. I could, I could totally get the same outcome and cheat on this answer. Uh, I could say the mansion in the good place because then you you get access to <laughs> Janet which gets you access to basically the TARDIS. <laughs> I fucking love Ta-ha. Janet. I fucking love Janet. So Janet much. is the best character on that show. Oh. We have like uh we have like a season and a half left of that show and Janet is the best character. Okay, so you've gotten to bad Janet too then. Yeah, and neutral Janet. And neutral Janet. <laughs> I fucking love neutral Janet. <laughs> neutral Janet. <laughs> We're going to start ending every episode of this <laughs> end of conversation. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! Dude, I love so that's that why... whole. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just derailed us. That whole I haven't got to talk to you about the good place yet. 
that whole neutral world, everything is khaki and earth toned and brown, and everyone is fucking uh, 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 what was it? Limburg, Limbo, Office Space. Oh, uh, we haven't finished the show yet, so if you're getting stuff towards the end, like don't spoil stuff for me. But if, I, uh... see, if you've seen Neutral Janet, then you've seen the the neutral place. Oh, oh, uh, it's yeah, it's Stephen Merchant uh, playing the, the the accounting guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, that, everyone yeah. in that whole world though is basically like, what's his face from Office yeah. Space? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and everything's all khaki and earth <laughs> and no one has any emotion. <laughs> yeah it's so good it's very good yeah uh, we're, we're really liking that show it's it's very good and the fucking episodes are like 20 minutes long and yes. they barely have any per season so we've watched like three seasons of it just about in like a week and a half it feels like it's kind of ridiculous yeah it's so, so good so that's kind of like my cheat answer <laughs> uh if it was <laughs> just like one. a if it was just like a normal house i would pick Bruce Wayne's mansion in the Batman animated series, just so I could walk through the Batcave and just like see the giant dinosaur and the, the giant the coin giant and all penny. the sh- all the shit that they never talk about, but is just awesomely in the background, you know. I always love that Batcave because it's like a museum. It's so good, and for s- somehow it's even more striking in Batman Beyond when everything's dust covered and has tarps over it and stuff. Man, yeah, it's that's so awesome. good. Uh, that, the that, turntable like for the that Batcave too, just like like, it's it's cheesy and corny to say, but it like sparked my imagination as a little kid because of the fact that they never talk about any of it. It's yeah. just weird shit in the background, and it adds like so much like cool context to him as a character because he's done all of this crazy shit in the city for years, and they just jump in after he's been Batman for a very long time. What and, a way to show the audience yeah. that he is established. It's so good. And the glass cases ba- with all the suits. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, kind of good. Who would have thunk that? <laughs> what? <laughs> Only one of the most influential and like best pieces of art ever. Who would have thunk? Uh, but what's what's your answer to this uh, question? I went something TARDIS adjacent. How <laughs> we just immediately? <laughs> so how can we get the TARDIS without actually having to pick the TARDIS? How can we immediately we get the Master's the TARDIS? No, um, <laughs> the house always wins. Well, it's funny you say that because she accepted my answer. I cleared it through her, and it is the house from Constantine. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, it, God, comes I with it, it comes with its own Janet, right? The show was so good. I don't think the live action series had her, but there is a, a character that is basically Janet for the house, and it kind of serves the same function as the TARDIS or the Batcave. Like it's got all of his ancient relics, all of his textbooks. Mm-hmm. It travels around, it moves around where he needs it, it pops in and out of realities. Yep. That's I think, cool. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, pretty slick when the. The homeowners association knocks on my door for my yard. I'll just pop this house out of the reality. Yep. There yeah. you go. I like. I can just imagine the house popping up in a different reality instead of just having the crafts magically <laughs> mode. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, that would be some like Harry Potter shit, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sinking to that level. We're just gonna fucking nope out into a different reality. Was it? Uh, I can't remember if it was the Jetsons. Or the Jetsons on Harvey Birdman. One of the two. 
He mowed the yard by just lowering the yard. <laughs> like, that sounds like a Harvey Birdman it's joke like, to me. It's like there's it's like be. there's like a plate that the grass is glow growing through, and he just lowered the yard, and that plate stayed the same, so the yeah. height of the grass changed. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dude, <laughs> so good. Uh, I, I need to watch more of that Harvey Birdman show. Like every clip you've shown me is great, oh, and all God. the like just. All the little like scenes I've caught over the years are always just like gold, and Be it's right up my alley. I just always forget that it exists because it's you know each episode is twelve shows. minutes. Yeah, it's uh, I wonder if it's on HBO Max. Like a lot of those types of old cartoons can be on HBO Max. I'll have to look. It it's somewhere because I've seen it available. I, it might be HBO Max because they have uh, Adult Swim and Cartoon Network stuff. Yeah, we've also been watching uh, some of the. I, I love that they have the Ghibli Hub on HBO Max because we've been oh, watching yeah. some Ghibli stuff over the past few weeks. It's really good. Now that was my backup answer, by the way. Uh, like something like Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, that's a good call. That's an awesome house. Do you do you get the uh, Billy Crystal Fire dude if you get the house? I'm assuming <laughs> of so. Of course. Yeah, and Gotta then get. Uh, Oh, I, Billy Crystal. Basically, I'm just trying to get my house away from the homeowners association in case they knock on my door from my yard. <laughs> was that why? I just was need, that why his, I, I need his, my uh, castle's to, moving. I need my house to move. And now I'm just I'm just like imagining the HOA all bird people. <laughs> and they're just oh attacking God. his fucking they're just attacking his fucking house like the flying monkeys in Wizard of Oz. This See, is a fucking you, horror show. When you say bird people, I think of the fucking bird people in uh in Dark Souls. Oh yeah. Like, oh god. Yeah. Put some pants on. Everyone take a drink. We had nine. We almost made it 10 minutes without a Dark Souls or Bloodborne <laughs> reference, and we did not make it. So there right you go. Right down it. the road. Can't <laughs> miss it. Uh, I will uh, start off Bobby's question for us. Uh, Bobby emailed us. And again, if you want your question read to us, just email screenplay rewind at gmail.com. Uh, Bobby starts out his email with the subject title of uh, <laughs> Ron got more kills in a PUBG game than Jeff. Woo! I'm just as surprised as you are, Bobby. Good subject <laughs> I title. I am too. <laughs> uh bobby continues with the new winnie the pooh film coming out and if people are not aware uh oh god what is like blood and honey i think it's, it's the title like of that. it it's fucking amazing so they've turned winnie the pooh because i think it's now kind of like public domain it's not kind of it is it's 75 is it officially public it's is it 75 officially public? years old yeah winnie the pooh was 75 uh-huh that makes it was public it like, domain was it like a newspaper strip at first or something? I it's, wasn't aware of that. It's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Hmm. Was it originally though? Was it like a comic strip in newspapers or something? Like, how would it be that old? I, I can't imagine. Uh, I think but, it was just children's books, right? Oh hmm. God! Oh God! <laughs> the article that came up when I googled Winnie the Pooh public domain was the unprotected Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Never look up that in Pornhub. Okay. <laughs> you have to uh you have to keep safe search on. Yes, please. And even then you're not safe. You're it's safe asterisk search when <laughs> you put that in. Uh but Bobby's question was that with the new Winnie the Pooh film coming out that is, you know, it's basically a horror movie. Uh what would be another non-horror property that you would like to see a horror version of? I don't know that that uh that Google search sounded pretty terrifying, so I could probably uh, use that as a uh, as Na an answer. Nineteen twenty six. Jeez, dude, that's crazy. And Is that just like the first kids book, like you said. Yeah, it's gotta be. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's a 95-year period, not 75. Um, I wonder if they, Oh, like... no, the 95 period, that's, that's what happened. The 95-year period has ended under U.S. copyright law. Didn't they make a change to that or something recently? I don't Probably. know. But, yeah, it was... Uh, if this is an image I can copy, I can send it to you in the Discord. But, yeah, it was a four-panel... Uh, comic strip like you were talking about huh oh he doesn't even look like him that's crazy yeah he's naked yeah, it's, it's uh, uh do you, think you know what blood? do you think there's blood in that honey because he looks like he's about to just like kill this kid <laughs> oh, i was gonna say the the blood and honey poo looks eerily reminiscent of this version of poo yeah he, he looks like uh oh my god what was that horror movie like the the strangers, I think is what it's called. Everyone had just like the creepy ass mask. Like <laughs> he looks like the dude who's just like standing in the background watching the main characters and the main characters don't know they're there. Did you read the text in this comic? I did. <laughs> You're not going to do oh anything God. weird, are you? That remains to be seen. <laughs> Wait, the food blood and honey. He's got like honey dripping from his mouth. <laughs> which uh, which by the by the way we are doing i i don't i don't know what platform it's going to be on we are going to do a live commentary of winnie the pooh blood and honey when oh it's available this is happening it has to happen i'm so excited you're not going to do anything weird are you which suits me because i like being nude oh my god oh my god so but as long as I don't put a little red shirt on, I can do as I like. This comic strip. Oh, the horror all to itself. Uh, let's see. Do you have an answer to this? Because I've been like kind of struggling with this one just because my brain doesn't usually. Like what I heard, like the Winnie the Pooh thing, and I was like, what? <laughs> but because it's so out of left field, it makes it amazing. Uh, my answer is the Octonauts, but like the thing. Ooh, see, that's all you got to say, man, and I'm there. <laughs> Do you know what the Octonauts are? I feel like I've heard... What is the Octonauts again? Uh, they're these little uh, cutesy animals that live inside an octopus-shaped uh, submarine that go around helping like sea creatures, and they teach his kids about like sea animals and stuff and how the so ocean It was like a works. modern kid's show? Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's yeah, CG like rendered. I felt like I'd heard of it. Uh, um yeah all about it it they basically float around in a giant sea lab so it's just as it would be just as isolated as the thing the arctic base man and then, and then can we have keith david there and he's not an octonaut he's just <laughs> keith david <laughs> oh god and the one of the octonauts has to have the giant fucking sombrero that he wears uh that uh <laughs> Kurt russell wears for no reason Yes, please. Oh, shit. What? Uh, I'm going to, with my answer, I'm going to cheat and uh, say Batman again. Okay. And there's a, there's a specific comic that made me think of this. So Batman is typically like presented with like very, very minor horror elements sometimes. But there was one story. Yeah, now I'm just imagining these Octonauts uh, that you sent me the picture of with the, the giant sombrero from the thing. <laughs> and it's genius. Uh, so there was a specific comic uh, called Gotham Central 
uh, came out, I think in like the like early 2000s. They've been trying to get it adapted into a TV show for fucking 20 years and this is never going to happen. But it's like permanently fixed from the perspective of the cops and like how like the cops are trying to deal with some of the supervillains, you know, when because Batman eventually, you know, shows up to save the day most of the time, but he can't get there all the time immediately. Right. And they had, I remember there was one issue of it and it was about how the cops were dealing with Mr. Freeze. And it's like, it's like a story of like two detectives and like one of the detectives, uh, his partner is frozen and then shattered by Mr. Freeze. Cause like what? you think of Mr. Freeze and you know, he's just like this awesome villain because you think of him from like the perspective of Batman where you can take him down. But when you think about like the, the context of how Mr. Freeze could just casually murder like the entire police force and they're just fucked. Like, how do you combat that? As he's like literally freezing and shattering your 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 uh, your partner, dude. So it's like I always just kind of like that idea where it like, added more context to Gotham as a whole because it was basically a horror story. Like he he is a he's a monster at that point with what he can do, right? So I would like for them to finally get that TV show up and running because it has a lot of interesting concepts to it uh, that have never really been done very much outside of that at least uh for batman what well, one uh show that actually does what i'm talking about incredibly well that you haven't seen yet that i, I want to figure out a way to force you to watch the it because i really like it is the boys yeah i knew uh, you were the, gonna say the boys has <laughs> like what happens when superman decides to kill everyone in the room you know and they he show you his it. hands and they explode he, uh, and just like some of the fucking brutal stuff they can do to humans in that show with this, like where they just, it's completely unfiltered and they show like real life application of what happens if Superman decided to just kill everyone inside a room. And it's terrifying. And, you know, like they're, they're never presented that way in the, in the, in the comics outside of, you know, like kind of Elseworlds, uh, tells the, and, uh, the whole idea of Superman is terrifying to me. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why Lex Luthor refers to him as a god. Like he, mm-hmm. what do you, what could you do if Superman got pissed off? Yeah, it's nuts. Um, I wanted to submit a question. I was thinking End of about conversation. <laughs> I was thinking tonight. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier, okay. and if anyone listening to this has an answer, I would be curious to hear. People's answer. It was what? Screenplay rewind at gmail.com. Yep. Um the first thing that pops into your head when I say greatest opening to a movie of all time. First movie that pops in your head. Greatest opening to a movie of all time. Oh my god. Just I could have told I I could have told you if you didn't put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm now my brain is just like, have I seen a movie before? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> what is confirm. movie? I must Google. Uh, why don't you talk about your answer while I stare at my Blu-ray shelf and try to come up with an answer to this? Because I have my, if I get put on the spot like that, I'm just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first thing that popped into my head when I thought of it was Transformers the movie from 1986. Because that movie opens... With not just Unicron showing up out of nowhere and eating a planet, but it's got music set to it that starts out sounding like something from how it's made. 
Like it's like this industrial kind of music, but sounds like it would be from a documentary as that you're watching this planet eat another planet and everybody on it. And then at some point when it shows you all the people and planet and everything being digested, the music kind of subtly changes to like this haunting sound of the same music. And then when it's all done, it just cuts into the intro of the movie and the Transformers theme by Lion. And you're just like, the fuck did I just see? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was a, a hell of a way to get uh, like a four-year-old geared up for what I was going to be watching. I'd never seen a planet eat another planet before. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, so the the very first thing that popped into my head. And if you know what that Transformers theme by Lion sounds like, to go from that to like it showing all these like people and children running around to the planet getting eaten and the ships not able to escape Unicron's gravity well to this like hard rock version. <laughs> Of yeah. the Transformers theme, <laughs> like what, oh my God. what is happening? Yeah. Uh, and did did you phrase your question as like the most iconic or best? Like, what was your exact phrasing? Just in the- in your opinion, first thing that pops in your head, greatest opening to a movie of all time. Uh, I'm going to say the greatest opening to a movie of all time is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I I, I think the first like ten minutes of that movie is just like so iconic and it's so cool. And you just like, you know, talk about like, we know so well what like this franchise is going to be that we have like the entire like shtick of the, sh- of the, the franchise and like the, the theme of everything and the main character down just like instantly. And the way they just like drop you in the middle of the shit. I love that opening. Not only so, is that, but that opening, I think we talked about this before, but that opening not only tells you everything you need to know about the character of Indiana Jones, it does it with pretty much Indiana Jones not talking. He has very few lines in the opening. Yeah. Writers. It's just like with the, the cinematography is so good. And and by the time he does start talking, well, anything he says is not a surprise because you've already guessed what his character is like through him not talking. Yeah. And it's also just like incredible acting by Harrison Ford because he really does convey like a lot of what that character is. And he hasn't even talked it, like you said. It's just the way he carries himself is so good. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. You're I, welcome. Uh, <laughs> I, I, talk, I, I talked to you the other day about how uh, Soapy and I, uh, one of our online buddies, just randomly started talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for no reason. I don't, I don't even remember what started <laughs> us uh, up uh, that fucking <laughs> neck of the woods. But I went back and... Uh, while just completely bored at work, I uh, went back and listened to some of our Crystal Skull uh, rewind that we did. <laughs> That's our separate uh, podcast. <laughs> We're just only going to... That Crystal Skull covered every week for a year. We're going to finally do it. Could you imagine? I'd every week watching LaBeouf swing through the trees with the monkeys. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'd do it. By like the fourth I week... I like be- it. I'd do it. By like the fourth week, I'll be strapped to the chair uh, Clockwork Orange style, just unable to... <laughs> form conscious thought uh fucking but, uh, man, kate blanchett smashing ants between her knees i'm gonna be you know, you know you know like what kate blanchett uh does after she gets all the knowledge that's what happens after you watch crystal skull 20 times you just explode and like i don't even remember what happens to her but it ain't good and that's what happens to you dude but yeah i i just love i just love how fucking weird indiana jones is too like what a weird franchise and you just talk about like 
the overall r- roller coaster ride of quality <laughs> that you have going on. It's just awesome. But uh, much like the roller like some... coaster in Temple of Doom. Yeah, it, it, there you go. Bring it full circle. And uh, why don't we actually talk about skyscraper that we came here to talk about? We had a very <laughs> we just did very a whole ex- different podcast. Yeah, very extended. This was a uh, <laughs> what do we call it? The green room. Yeah, yeah. Where Patrick Stewart's trying to murder you. That's what we uh, <laughs> named it after, right? Uh, yep, exactly. That's an awesome movie that we're gonna have on the show. Where do we need to have that on the show? Holy shit! It's so. I want to do like we need to do like a whole like um, pour one out for Anton Yelkin month because uh, he had a unfortunately short career, but a lot of really great performances in that time frame. That we could probably find some other stuff of his. We could talk about all the Wessels. Yep. Man, gone too soon. <laughs> what what a fucking movie that movie is seriously so dude that, if, if nothing else um oh god it just left my brain what is the name of the movie uh uh uh, 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 uh ah god willem dafoe anton yelkin it's a graphic novel willem dafoe anton yelkin graphic novel what's the plot like what it's about he sees like spirits and stuff nobody else can see Oh, Odd Thomas. Odd Thomas. Oh, thank yeah. you. I had yeah. it, and as soon as I went to say <laughs> it, it just went poof. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome movie. I like. Uh, I like that. I actually um, had started up the audiobook of that because mm. I was wanting to. Because I think it's like a whole series. I think he has like a shit ton of the yeah. Odd Thomas books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the uh, like the narration was kind of wonky, and I couldn't really get into it. It was kind of sad because I'd like to have an excuse to actually check out the rest of that. Because um, that movie is amazing. Yeah, and uh, like no one watched it, so it's a it's a good. <laughs> it, no one watched it, and Ron and I like it, so it'll be on this show eventually because exactly. that's like all we do. And then no one will listen because it's Odd Thomas, <laughs> and because it's us. As I say, and because it's us. Uh, but Ron, why don't you cue in uh, skyscraper? What made you decide to include that on the show? Because I believe that it is a woefully underrated film. Um, I can see. Why some people just kind of write it off, but I think at the same time, I think there's a lot of subtlety uh, kind of in the writing, ironically. Like the way it's written, I think it's a very well actually constructed movie, even though ironically the plot is kind of cliche. Oh, spoilers for Skyscraper. Oh, damn. I didn't come ready to do spoilers. Uh, oh, I guess we'll come back next week. You want to do another? Uh, you got any more questions for us there, dude? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just woefully underrated. And like I said, when I declared Skyscraper as the next movie, uh, I know people that says that movie fucking sucks. But then you ask them it. if they've seen it and they've never yeah. seen it. And I know they can't be the only ones. And it's just like, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, you know, and, and so many people on Twitter and social media and stuff would say, oh, it's just Die Hard with the Rock. That sounds like a fucking awesome time to me. And that's yeah, um, exactly what I expected going into the theater. And uh, like I said, there is a level of subtext to the writing in this movie that I think is just fucking amazing. And because my expectations were kind of low going into the movie when I went and saw it in theaters with my dad, we just expected a dumb action movie. And we actually walked out talking about like the way the plot is like laid out and the way things are interwoven together and the way everything works and gels together. 
even though, ironically, again, the plot itself is kind of cliche. Yeah, uh, um, I, I like the movie. Um, I'm definitely cooler on it than Ron is, but I do like the movie, and I do 1,000% agree that every now and then you have a film where it just it seems like people kind of like view it as like a community punching bag for no reason. They just kind of go after it. You know, uh, and, and this was the kind of one of those, like you of said, films, if you will. Exactly, <laughs> like one of the, it's like it was one of those things where it's like, like you said, like a lot of people haven't seen it, like purely judging it by the trailer. And I'm sorry, but it's like a summer blockbuster with the Rock. Like, what did you expect the trailer to be? Like, it was gonna be yeah. that type of tone, and I don't really get that um, complaint either. Uh, I, I think the movie is incredibly enjoyable to watch as like a summer blockbuster. Uh, but I, I think my biggest complaint with it was just how like like you said like the the plot elements are so cliche that i figured out the entire movie within the first like 90 seconds of watching it basically like once they established the characters i was right. able to figure out though so, uh the british dude who is always a bad guy gonna be a bad guy <laughs> it oh everything his, his, that happens his friend <laughs> right his friend within the first 90 fucking seconds after they showed him how he and, and like with and after he's talking about how he's basically like a one-man show and he's developing the security for this 5,000 floor skyscraper. <laughs> like, oh, his friend screwed him over. So that's cool. Uh, I, I think it is like, uh, but that, but that doesn't, that doesn't make it negative. It doesn't make it bad. And it doesn't really negatively impact the enjoyment of the movie because you're there to watch. You're, you're there to watch, like you said, like Die Hard with The Rock. Um, I, I think they casted it really well. I, I think if you I, I think this movie pretty much falls apart if you don't have somebody like The Rock that can just kind of like shoulder the load of uh, he, how he is kind of like a underwritten character. But, you know, is The Rock. So they just make, let him be The Rock. And it's and they, that, like they do that with him in a lot of films. But yeah. it, it really works here, I think. So I, I, I agree. I think it uh, I think it's totally enjoyable. And people that were shitting on it were just kind of jumping on the bandwagon and didn't actually view it that way the, the point of the movie is not point a and point b it's everything that happens in between point a and point b is where this movie shines i think you um, know a being yeah. the beginning and b being the end uh it it's it, it's uh uh it's not the destination it's the, the 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 travel it's the journey yeah for this movie why don't we uh let's get the rundown out of the way and then we can start talking about more specifics with the story and the uh plot and everything again let's see so what was really funny to me is i was looking at the credits um the director and writer of skyscraper his name is ross and marshall thurber and i'm sorry but that sounds like the main character in an action movie to me <laughs> he has a more made-up name than whatever dwayne johnson's name is in the movie <laughs> ross and marshall thurber like that's that's I, what like stallone would have been called in an action movie like 1989 it's funny that you say that we're going to talk about stallone um ross and marshall thurber sounds like someone that would be piloting gypsy avenger <laughs> right he also <laughs> did you happen to look at his uh directing credits he has a fucking bizarre oh yeah he's got a bizarre track yeah so ross and marshall thurber his first ever directorial movie was dodgeball and i uh -huh. was like what this was his first non-comedy that's so weird like i mean and I, I like dodgeball it's pretty funny i'm, I'm sure it's incredibly offensive if you go back and watch it now like every comedy from that era is but uh <laughs> i like dodgeball back in the day you can dodge, you can dodge a, wrench, a wrench you can dodge a ball <laughs> one of the greatest lines of all time in any film i'm sorry ben stiller <laughs> staring at a donut and giving himself shocks of electricity 
Yeah. <laughs> but um man, his his career is is bizarre because Dodgeball was obviously huge. And then he goes on to not really do a whole lot for several years. And then they're comes back making with, a division movie. Uh, I think that was the one that Jake Gyllenhaal was attached to for a long time, but God knows if that's ever actually going to happen. It, him and Jessica Chastain and Ross and Marshall Thurber as the director. Um, but his like one of his next comedies that he did was like Weird the Millers. <laughs> Weird the Millers was a movie I forgot existed. Uh, I don't even know what and, that is. Yeah, it was just like this weird family comedy that was kind of like a vacation knockoff, and it just looked very bad. Like, it looked real bad. Central Intelligence, this was where, like you said, um, I'm assuming he became buddies with The Rock, because his next, like, three films uh, after Central Intelligence, uh, it's just like a whole bunch of uh, Dwayne Johnson stuff. He got him back for Skyscraper. He got him back for Red the Notice. Red Notice movie with, uh, was that like a Netflix yes. movie, I think? Uh, it was in that Netflix like was able to acquire it because it ended it's up Deadpool, being... Wonder Woman, and Black Adam, <laughs> and it, and it got like ab- and I remember that just getting absolutely shredded critically. So I I wonder if that's how kind of like Netflix was able to acquire it because like Netflix loves going after <laughs> those fucking blockbuster movies that the company has dedicated like a bajillion dollars into making but realizes it's garbage <laughs> so they're just like welcome to netflix you're green welcome to netflix you're fucking greenlit no matter how shitty you are wow we'll take we'll take the cloverfield paradox it's fine the way <laughs> we'll you just people... subtly the way you just subtly <laughs> slid that shade under the door <laughs> uh, Dude, netflix is trash I'm oh sorry. my god that was amazing netflix, netflix it... fucking sucks I was sitting here looking at something. And it took me a moment to fully, <laughs> fully get what you had just said to fully. Because like, man, it. you th- think think about it. Think about it. It is a movie. <laughs> well, it, it's apparently a movie. I haven't seen it, so I can't confirm. But it's it is a movie, like you said, with Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock, and they didn't feel confident enough to put it in, in theaters. theaters. Yeah, that's brutal dude that movie's gotta be fucking terrible and now i want to watch it more because i think it's gonna be real bad now i'm like more intrigued by it. but yeah i don't think the division movie is ever gonna happen because like maybe they realize oh yeah no one fucking gives a shit how did this get greenlit in the first maybe in division the division if it goes through netflix will happen uh-huh. <laughs> that's like that's like their one out but yeah i just was looking through his uh imdb page and it was very very bamboozled because holy shit there's a lot of just very, very... Did you ever did you ever watch the Central Intelligence movie? I'm not a big fan of uh, What's-His-Face. I never really... Kevin Hart. Yeah, I've yeah, never I really don't. liked him that much, so I, I didn't seek it out, even though I'm, I'm sure it's, like, okay, because most movies with The Rock in it are, you know, at least okay. Like, he, he can make, like, an unwatchable movie watchable just with his own performance in it, just because it's The Rock, and, you know, he's just a genuinely charismatic dude, and he can carry a movie. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of this director because the only thing of his... I really liked Dodgeball back in the day but have never really revisited it. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. Haven't seen anything else. Dude, so I, I watched nothing. the fuck out of Dodgeball. Dodgeball was really funny. Yeah, I really love Dodgeball. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really bizarre list and the one that really stands out is Skyscraper. Like, it is so different from everything else. Yeah, uh, what was interesting to me is like, uh, I'll, we'll go through the cast here in just a second, but like the main kind of comparison point, and I totally get it just because of the, the setting and like it being, you know, like a dude kind of out of his element 
who knows what he's doing, but you know, is not a superhero cop. Right. Uh, like he has, he has limits. Um, the one thing uh, that it kind of gave me flashbacks to was actually Cliffhanger. Did you ever see Cliffhanger back in the day? I've never seen it, but in the interview I listened to with Ross and Marshall Thurber, um, his go-to when he's in a slump, um, his happy place is Sylvester Stallone movies. Mm-hmm. And he was watching Cliffhanger when he started developing the idea for this movie. That's so interesting because it, it really it really shines through because as I was watching this and I obviously didn't do any homework like that so I didn't know he had talked about Cliffhanger at all but mm-hmm. the one element of this movie that made me really think back to Cliffhanger is like it's not only just how he is having kind of diehard encounters like where he's like having to fight off the the bad dudes in the building but it's like the dude versus the elements of like, you know, like the way he is like literally having to like scale the building and having to jump across shit to like actually get inside. Like there's a lot of cliffhanger to that where it's uh it, it kind of transitions from being like an action movie to like an adventure movie almost like it, you know, like there it kind of drifts more towards like like Uncharted or something like that where you have sections of the movie. And I actually think personally in Skyscraper, I think the sections where it's like him trying to scale the building are actually a lot more like harrowing than the fight scenes. Agreed. Uh, I, I, th- I, I, I like those scenes of the movie. Like, I like uh, I was the talking... fight scenes, but yeah, as far as like how thrilling different parts of the movie are, it's intense. It, uh, like, him scaling, the way it's filmed, the way it's shot. Uh, it's really yeah. well done. Uh, Cause the, we, like I talked with the, they really give you we... a good sense of scale for those scenes, which yeah. is very important. Uh, Cause like did, when he's, you know, this was when an he's IMAX, trying... right? Yeah, that fuck that dude. Could you uh, imagine fr- every time he looks down and his feet are just dangling over Hong Kong, what that must look like in a fifty foot tall, seventy wide wall? Yeah, no thanks. So I was watching it on my <laughs> my my little TV at home, and uh, I was watching it with uh, Aurora and, and uh, we, we, we we've been talking like like it, it's so intense when he's trying to get into the building, especially the first time when he has to like set up the crane and stuff and just like fucking yeet across like. Like, our palms were sweaty, dude. Like it's intense because it's it's like it's really well shot, and you feel like the scale, like you said. So not only that, that part of it is really well done. Plot wise, the fact that he has to get back into the building to begin with, instead of being trapped in with everyone else. Yeah, like I thought that was that was a pretty That's good, cool. pretty good touch. Yeah, it's really cool. He's the one man running towards the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's try round out the cast, then we can talk more about specific scenes and stuff. Uh, so. We obviously talked about uh, how Dwayne Johnson plays Will Sawyer. I the main thought character. he looked familiar. <laughs> uh, how do you is it is it is it Nev? How do you pronounce? Is it Nev, Nev Campbell? Nev Campbell, yeah. Nev Campbell. Okay, I, I, I'm always thrown off by the way her first name is spelled. I was like, is it Neve? And I'm just forgetting because Nive. I for Neve Campbell. <laughs> uh, she plays his wife. Uh, Chin Han plays uh, Zhao Long Ji. Roland, I'm gonna butcher the name. Muller. We're gonna go with uh, that. Yeah, he plays, uh, of course, Botha. Gonna fuck up all the names. Noah Taylor, who you have Nailed seen it. as a bad guy in something, plays. <laughs> you guessed it, a bad guy, <laughs> Mr. Pierce. He plays his a bad guy. His name is fucking Miss. His name is fucking Mr. Pierce. <laughs> that like a Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. He's dressed like one too. No. He plays a, a villain twice in this because he's also an insurance guy. Oh, shit. The most devious of all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
One of my favorite characters in this movie yes. is the the main inspector guy. Yes. I really like Okay, so he's not dumb. Thing, he's exactly he's not what I was going to bring up. What I was going to bring up in this movie is 99 times out of 100 when you have a movie like this, the main cop is a jackass who does nothing but make life harder for the protagonist and that is such like a tired cliche. And I'm so happy that like not only is he not dumb, but he's like actively like he sees reason. Like when when she talks about how like, do you really think he's in on it when he's like literally scaling the side of the fucking building and is on YouTube, right? <laughs> like as the most like viral video, it's because the motherfucker jumped across this this uh, harrowing thing to get into the building, and he's just like, yeah, I no longer think he's the bad guy. I'm on your side. I was like, oh thank God, I'd have been so mad because if only that had been his actual dialogue you quoted, that would have been amazing. <laughs> You know, right. I no longer think he's the bad guy. I'm on your <laughs> side, Nev Campbell. He doesn't call her Sarah. He literally calls her <laughs> Nev Campbell. How do you pronounce your first name again? <laughs> I'm on your Nev. side, Neve. Neve. Uh, no, I, oh, I imagine God. censorship had a lot to do with that. We're going to talk about the censorship in this movie uh, because it had to go between uh, China's uh, before China's censorship board and a lot of oh. this movie changed. Okay, yeah. I know nothing about the development of this movie, so that's going to be all you, because I don't know anything outside of the context of me having watched the movie and, like, literally just having uh, the IMDb and the Wikipedia page pulled up. But, yeah, I, he's one of my favorite parts of the movie just because as far as, like I said, a lot of the movie is, like, painfully predictable to where I I have to shut my brain off to enjoy it because it was like, oh, my God, we're just going to, like, go through the same motions. Chen Han far... is a completely different character. Um in, in in what than what he originally was in the script oh really yeah. yeah i could see that i could see that well yeah we'll get into that here in a second uh pablo schreiber which most people will realize uh or recognize sorry from uh orange is the new black he played one of the guards in that show that's kind of like what made him there's an entire special feature section about that fight scene uh, oh in the apartment in the where, apartment yeah, yeah. That, that fight is brutal could you imagine being suplexed by the rock <laughs> and he talks just about saying, it. <laughs> just saying that just saying that sentence out loud like i i feel like i need to go crawl into a body cast dude like, there, there's Christ. some really good editing and that special features where the rock is talking about how you know he's six foot four 280 pounds there's not a lot of people that he has to look up to and pablo schreiber stands much taller than the rock so yeah, he's six five. He's a big dude. Yeah. So the Rock talked about how like that was somewhat intimidating because he doesn't go up against guys his size in movies usually. And then it cuts to Pablo Schreiber, and he's like, "I'm taller than the Rock, but I don't weigh 280 pounds." <laughs> and yeah. He, he had a lot of trouble trying to like throw the Rock around. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's a literal goddamn boulder. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is literally a rock. That was always one of my favorite jokes in uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. How the uh, <laughs> the local wrestling celebrity is the boulder. <laughs> it's such a dumb but awesome joke. And he talks like the Rock does, like all like charismatic and shit to the crowd. Love it. Uh, shit. Uh, let's see it. Pretty much uh, your only other. Yeah, you have McKenna Roberts who plays George Sawyer, the daughter, and Noah Cottrell who plays Henry Sawyer. Um, Hannah Quinlevon. Quinlevon. Uh, I want her and more stuff. Is she the uh, Lady John Wick? Yes. Like the super badass assassin lady. Yes. Yeah, she's pretty hardcore in those. She's pretty. Cool. Do, her audition tape. She had just had a child. 
<laughs> I thought you were about to say she had just murdered a guy in real life. She's actually an no, assassin. She has zero martial arts experience. She learned everything she knows for this movie. Wow. She, her audition tape was she had just had a child. She's in the gown that they give you in the hospital in a wheelchair, and her husband is rolling her around while she has two fake guns shooting people. That was her audition tape. And fucking Ross and Marshall Thurber said in one of the uh, the things I was watching, he said he saw that and he was like, I don't care who she is. I have to have her. <laughs> that is amazing. That is how she got that the is, role. That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> they were going through tape after tape. And then all of a sudden they come to this woman in a wheelchair in a, a hospital gown being pushed around by her husband as she shoots people. And he was just like, I have to have her. Yes. Uh, also, like, <laughs> fucking kudos to her for trading for the role because, like, she carries herself in those those uh, those moments, of, like, especially like where she starts kicking ass. Like, she like you would think she she's a martial artist. Yeah, I I, I would have guaranteed you like uh, that she had a background in martial arts because like she looks like she will fuck you up at a moment's notice and like she you know, it's like a you know like um how th think of like the way Keanu carries himself in the matrix versus yeah. john wick when he really exactly. knows what he's doing and he knows he can fuck you up and he just has that that presence to him that's what she has the fact, so the fact that she had no experience at all is amazing like, it's a lot her. like hammer girl right the way yeah. she moves she mm -hmm. moves as if she's holding swords but they're guns and at the end of each what would be a sword swing she fires yeah it's pretty if dope. you watch her like the way she fights and the fact that she's basically hardly in the movie when she's one of the coolest characters i was like come on i want more of her yeah i agree i wanted to specifically mention her name because i'm hoping she pops up in more stuff she may be in more stuff in the asian market i don't know but at gotcha. least in the american market i i want more hannah quinn levon Oh, I also, um, I, I forgot to bring it up, uh, but we talked about how uh, Chin Han plays Zhao Longji. And, like, just, just how funny it is that, like, this could be, like, the uh, the prelude to him going to Gotham because he basically plays the same fucking character in The Dark Knight. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. The Rock goes through all of this to save him, and then he gets burned alive atop a pile of money. I, I know, because, like, he's basically, like, these, uh, that same, like, he's obviously, I'm I'm assuming what you're talking about, how they changed him, is that he's, since he's a good guy now, he was a piece of shit in the past script, is that what you were getting at? Even in this version of the movie, he is still considered kind of the villain, um, the way they looked at him, because the fact that he just won't talk to anyone or about what's going on or honor the deal that he had made because he double-crossed the wrong people, mm -hmm. um, is the source of all of the woe in this movie. Uh, yeah. But originally, in the original script, uh, Zhalongji had double-crossed the triad. And okay. the information in his vault was um, basically nuclear deterrent. If that information got released, it not only would bring down the triad, essentially, it would bring down Zhaolongji himself also. Okay. And it was just a lot more in-depth, but the censorship bureau didn't want the triad involved. It had to be Scandinavian and Italian mobsters and anything but triad, basically. 
I, I just love like like their their backup is just like pick a random country in Eastern Europe. Right. They're the bad guys. We can roll with that. And that was that. And Ross and Marshall Thurber talked about like there is no appeals. There's no nothing. This is the government straight up telling you no. And then they leave the room. And that's it. That's all you get. That's crazy. So that, that they have that much control over it. But they needed China box office. Yeah. You know, and even though the movie's set in Hong Kong, it's filmed in Vancouver. Um, they have a lot of second unit and flyover shots of Hong Kong, but the filming was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And still, though, it has a big enough effect on this movie because he talks about how it had to be Hong Kong. They couldn't take it anywhere else because you need the Pearl, the name of the building, the skyscraper itself, set in a place where you would believe this building exists. Right? Like, we already have the world's tallest building in Dubai. You can't build another one in Dubai. So it had to be placed in a, an area where the audience would feasibly believe this building actually exists and Hong Kong is the perfect place for it. Yeah. So it had to be Hong Kong. And there was a lot with the police and what is it? The people's liberation army or whatever they call it over there. Um, the detective, the villain, everything had to be changed. That's so interesting. Yeah. They did a pretty good job of like covering that part up. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, the stuff with him felt like a little bit underdeveloped, but because it's in the type of movie, I'm not expecting, you know, like I'm not expecting like a Michael Mann, like crime thriller where they have like, all the motivations of each like you know a crime unit broken down and shit like that i'm just not that's not what you're there for so i think they did a really good job retrofitting it around the, i mean the, the, the gears are already of, turning there's no stopping at this point there's no getting the movie to stop there's no time for rewrites they yeah. they have to have stuff to show the censorship board otherwise there's nothing to show the censorship board and it has to go through that approval process to even be made so the wheels are already turning. It's too late to turn the bus around. This movie is getting made. So the censorship board has all the power, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I said, they needed the Chinese box office and they needed uh, the Hong Kong setting. So they had to get approved by that board, uh, yep. which is why Inspector Wu is not a dumbass. Which makes the movie so much better because as soon as his character showed up on the scene, I was like, "Oh shit, here we go again!" You know, we gotta follow that same fucking cliche of the 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 dude who's supposed to be like a you know like an ostensibly very very capable police inspector can't fucking understand like that the dude is clearly on your side and is you know not part like why would he even be doing the shit if he was part of the you know part of the uh, crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he's just like so quick to realize and see reason is is uh, is is really good for the movie, I think. Because I was just like, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah, and they had oh, they had stuff like they had to be careful with the way the police were shown like pursuing him because that to the audience that kind of makes them the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So it had to be like a feasible reason why they would think he's the bad guy. Thus, like the tablet encrypted only to him with administrative access and stuff. Um, because your first thought would be that he's basically the guy behind this. He's the only one that can do this. So, and then you see the police when they're chasing him are very competent. 
You know, they're fucking buzzsawing the chains open and using the elevator. He's climbing up the fucking outside of the crane. <laughs> you yep. know, so everything they're doing is very, very competent and and realistic to what the police would do in those situations because exactly. of the censorship board. Yeah, that's that's crazy that they had to just like kind of fix it on the fly so much. Um, let's get into some specific scenes though. Uh, I love that you have. Uh, so we haven't talked about it much, uh, but. Uh, the Rock's character in this is missing a leg. He's an amputee. Uh, I love the backstory of how he gets that way because in like uh, like 99% of movies like this, they would have just had it be because he was like, you know, like a, like an army vet and like walked over like an IED or something like that. And it's like very kind of like cut and dry. I, I like the intro of the movie where they show you just like uh, how fucked up the situation is that led to him uh, losing his leg. Like I think the... the intro to the movie is is also shot really well and it's just like it, it kind of like hits you in the gut you know just like oh man that like is a really fucked up thing that happened they don't talk about it but you know that kid died right probably oh, the whole family yeah absolutely yeah. and it adds like i think it adds like a, like a, an interesting like parallel of how to his own family to to his own family and how he kind of uh is part of the reason like why they're in that situation because like he, he would obviously since since he was the person at one point in control of the tablet you know like he would kind of view himself as the person that put him in that situation to an extent you know even though he's not it's not his fault you couldn't help but blame yourself because that's what's like that's what people do and, and, just, and can, that's yeah. the same way though right the the opening to this movie it's not his fault either but you wouldn't yeah. help but blame yourself and now yeah, the yeah, tablet situation yourself. again you yeah. wouldn't help but blame yourself but it's not his fault i mean he uh, fucking it, took it out of his bag for this reason Mm -hmm. you know it's just his friends a dipshit um yeah but no the that's the that's how cliffhanger inspired this movie by the way is apparently cliffhanger opens with sylvester stallone failing to save someone yes and you know i keep having to scroll up ross ross and marshall thurber um said that he was re-watching cliffhanger and he was thinking about you don't see many times that the movie especially opens with the hero failing. Mm -hmm. And then he just started like kind of going from there. He was thinking about like, if he was to, apparently he only really directs for the most part movies he's written. So he got to think about if he was directing a movie, if he was writing a movie, what would be the scenario in which like he would set that hero in to fail and then it kind of started going like, what would be the ramifications of that? Well, he would be injured. He would be injured badly. So what if he lost a leg? And he was thinking about how like he couldn't think of any movies off the top of his head that the main character, the main hero of the movie was an amputee. There may be characters that are heroes in the movie that are amputees, but usually not the main character. And then yeah. he started thinking about how that would affect the character, not just physically, but mentally as well. Mm -hmm. um, Especially when you were so good at what you did. Yes. And you would always, you would always, um, uh, like uh, one character who actually ended up having, you know, uh, like a lot of like parallels to this to me is like Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Yes. How, how like you view it now, obviously it wasn't as specific as right. like uh, Jamie. It's losing. not what Game of Thrones was about but right uh, and, and and it's not as specific as you know it, it wasn't like 
how Jamie's entire like personality was tied to how good he was at sword fighting, but just just the simple like fact that like the the Rock was such a decorated, uh, yeah, like, he 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 lost his leg because of a hostage situation when you had joined the FBI like after serving, but you know like because yeah, right. like to be able to, to be able to like uh switch out of you know military service and get to the FBI and that type of job like you're insanely good at what you do that so, like, scene that all- is filmed in such a way as is most of the movie that you feel like you can extrapolate things out and like you get the sense in that scene that he is very experienced he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing and mm-hmm. he's thrown a curveball because sometimes no matter how good you are at what you do you can be thrown out of your element at exactly any time. yeah yeah uh, it's it's a it's a devastating opening and and you're immediately just like oh my god uh, and uh, I hadn't even put uh, two and two together with like that part of it because like when I was thinking cliffhanger I was thinking more of kind of like how they switch back and forth between it being like the action you know versus the adventure aspect of it and you know like with these kind of like uh just really really dangerous situations that he's in even outside of like a like the context of like a, a fist fight or a gunfight just like the uh, like uh the nature part of it like where he's just he's outside on a fucking skyscraper you know like how many how many uh floors up it's just uh but uh i i like to uh that concept of starting the movie off where you're showing that the hero can fail because it, yeah. it also just immediately makes them more relatable like you you really connect with him because you've seen him fail he's he's no longer like an archetype of like an 80s action hero you know he's, he's no longer like that type of character he's a real dude he's right. you know, flesh and blood he can be hurt and it, in one of the uh, in one of the things he says in that same interview is just he's talking about how uh, the Rock was like his immediate pick because he had just finished working with the Rock on Central Intelligence, and he didn't even have a script yet. He just had kind of the idea, and he uh, as he was thinking about it, and he was writing the script. You have to think about how he's never seen The Rock in a position where his character has to think his way out of situations. He's always just the big guy in the room punching all the littler guys in the room. Yep. And he, like you were talking about, he those end up being the best parts of the movie. You know, um, him strapping duct tape to his hands and feet to give him some grip on the windows as he goes around the outside of the building 220 stories up. And just as someone who's afraid of heights, like the parts of this movie, just like I was just like, God damn it, Ron, fuck you, Ron, for subjecting me. Like the way that you had texted me, like fuck you, dude, for having to watch some of the shit in Oculus. I was like, man, I know it's green screen, but like, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't do heights, man. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, like just just for context, like I'm getting on a uh, plane for the first time in a few weeks, and. I'm like I wondered if you were flying. Yeah. Has Aurora flown? Yes, she has. Okay. Not very many times because she also doesn't like it. Uh, I'm assuming I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in, her in full fucking <laughs> I'm gonna be in full fucking Shatner mode from the Twilight Zone. Like there's a fucking gremlin on the wing, dude. <laughs> there's something on the it's, wing. Oh my god. <laughs> That's gonna be me, dude. It's gonna be me. Um, but yeah, continue. Continue. <laughs> uh there is a um just this scene that wants to make you cry both the sad and happy ways near the end of the movie that I love that I didn't want to get out of this podcast without talking about. 
because it goes back to what the beginning of the movie, what you were talking about, where he's done all of this, right? He has potentially sent his wife and son to their death by dropping them in the elevator. That is wild. That uh, and... like, he, he, <laughs> uh, I'm just like, you know, you're, like there's a decent shot. They're a fa- fucking hamburger helper in that elevator right now, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. As soon as the elevator drops, you just see them slam into the top of the elevator. <laughs> I've seen Mythbusters. I know how this shit works. Yeah, it's just like yeah, you, uh, the yeah, uh, Mister Rock. Um, you're good at security. I don't know if gravity is your forte, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But yeah, so he's potentially turned them into hamburger, but. He did all this to save his daughter and then fails at it, right? And they take mm-hmm. his daughter to the roof. And you can tell that he's reliving that day 10 years ago where he failed then. Like, all the parallels are coming in. They're all hitting him at once. And it's just so fucking sad. And he, I'm He's not, just about on the point of, like, hyperventilating. And I'm it's just... Because he's... Yeah. I'm not used to seeing The Rock play those kinds of characters. So knowing that he could make me feel sad for him, right? Yeah. Because he's just... He's just... It's just, like, pure, like, vulnerability on his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, you can tell he's in crisis. No other word for it. And then, at the corner of his eye, he spots the news uh, panel going. And you see him see that his uh, son and wife are coming out of the building and he goes back into, all right, let's get the job fucking done mode. And like you see him like psyching back up and building back up. That scene is so good, Jeff. (laughs) Like, yeah, like uh... there could have been no better thing to happen to that character in that moment of crisis than Mm -hmm. to look up and see that at that moment. I don't care how stupid or sappy that may be. I fucking love that moment in the movie. Yeah, because if you uh, if you have someone that can be as as charismatic and as as like, the, like Dwayne Johnson is a legitimately good actor, I think. Uh, I I think he kind of gets shortshafted a little bit just because of a lot of the types. He doesn't of, like, really he, like, get a lot of opportunity to show it. Yeah, he he is often just that type of character you were talking about. Uh, like his Fast and the Fast and the Furious character. Right. How he's yeah. He's he's usually know. invincible too. Yeah. So it's it's, it's cool to it's cool to see him. Uh, let's talk about that that fight scene in the apartment, dude. Is fucking nutty. <laughs> like it goes it goes full. There like is one of those one of those fight scenes in like the end of like a John Wick movie, yeah, where everyone is just exhausted <laughs> and you feel every punch and like I feel like I want to like just uh like take a nap because I'm exhausted from watching it because it just looks brutal and uh, uh like another fight it, rem- it reminded me of uh like a lot of the fights in the Daredevil show right. where he is just like the hallway fight, <laughs> yeah, where he is visibly just about to break down out of exhaustion, let alone the pain. You're just like, fuck dude. So there is like a, like a five minute special features on just that fight scene. And the funny thing to me is when it goes to the fight coordinator, he was just like, yeah, the rock is a giant guy. And Pablo Schreiber is a giant guy. (laughs) So we just worked with what would happen if two giant guys got together and had a fist fight and the answer is 
and in a place like Hong Kong, the apartment would be small. They would just tear the hell out of that apartment. Oh, man. <laughs> so that was when, the entire focus was how can we have these two guys punch each other in a way that just destroys this room? <laughs> I, I also love uh, in fight scenes and movies uh, where they start uh, resorting to like grabbing whatever the fuck is in arm's length and using it as weapons. Like when they start yes. just hitting each other was like just random shit. That, uh, or another fight this reminded me of. You remember... Um, the fight in the motel and the losers yes. where they just start like grabbing everything they can and using it as either a melee weapon or a projectile. And you're just like, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Um, I love how also this movie sets up the fact that he is an amputee to be both good and bad because the fight starts with Pablo Schreiber shooting him in the wrong leg. Like, it has no effect on him because it, it shot him in his prosthetic leg. And then not a couple of minutes later, Pablo Shriver's ripping that leg off of him. Uh, yeah, it's one of his first go-to uh, yes. options. And it's just like, man, that's fucked up. That's but if brutal. I was fighting, if I was fighting The Rock, I would also be doing that. Yes. like <laughs> Anything you could get over The Rock. If you remove one limb from the rock, he still has 99% more muscle than I do. So I'm just like, dude, like, okay, I get it. It's it's really fucked up. And it would be fucked up regardless, but he's been friends with him for at least like 10 to 15 years. Yeah. So that, that also adds like a layer of just like, man, that's fucked up, dude. But you get it because I've seen the rock and I get it. And while it's not portrayed well, I do like how Pablo Shriver's character is kind of gray in that he clearly cares somewhat for The Rock. He tried to protect The Rock's family from everything that's about to happen. And he set it up so that they didn't have to kill him to get the tablet. Yeah, it was going to be a victimless crime as far as like The Rock's family. They were never supposed to be involved. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, so in that way, his character's kind of gray. He's still a dipshit. But then like, he just had that moment when he was just like, they weren't supposed to come back. Why couldn't you have just kept the tablet in your bag? And the rock's just like, yeah. what are you talking about? But, but, <laughs> like, you, but you also, uh, and there's this another thing that makes like uh, the intro to the movie, that opening scene of the hostage situation. He's the one like, that really has the sh shot. It, it really shines a light on like his character too, because you realize like, uh, like what can happen to a person when you're in that situation. Right. Like all that saves the rocks uh, from going into, you know, like they, they have a conversation about it, you know, like uh, it, it's just the fact that he found Neff Campbell and started a family that kind of saved him. Cause like you, you, you just think about like the mental shitstorm you'd be entering following that situation. Right. And, uh, just how it permanently damaged you are both mentally and physically from, from the, just like how awful that opening is. So it, it you, you get it. Like uh, he's an asshole, but you understand he's an how, asshole. You understand how that situation can send someone down that path, and you, you, it is relatable to a certain extent. Where it's like, yeah, it's fucked up what you're doing, but I understand where he's coming from. I have, um, uh, I have two other points I want to talk about. Uh, sure. Also, uh, first, can we talk about Roland Moeller as Chorus Botha in this movie? Yes, like he is his character and his performance of that character. Were you getting Jeremy Irons' Die Hard of the Vengeance vibes from him? I was not, but now you mentioned it, like, I can kind of see it. Like, 
I want to see more of this dude. Apparently, he's an atomic blonde. I don't remember him in that movie, but I want to seek out this guy somewhere because I really liked him. Yeah, he's good. He's, um, he doesn't get very many scenes in the film just because it's mostly focused on the rock but yeah when he when he is in there he's good like i also kind of like his character in a way that he's just kind of like um the guy's like they weren't supposed to be here and then he's like i know like like it's regrettable is the way he kind of says i know and then he's like but you know the problem will take care of itself like he doesn't like it but it's collateral damage (laughs) like he's gonna do it but oh, were you were you were you also getting uh do you remember the scene uh when the Gia character has the hacker and the hacker is like the charismatic <laughs> asshole? Were you also getting I am invincible vibes from yes. that guy? Because I will hey that guy has to be a callback to that character. I, am I invincible. swear. I swear. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that bit because it just it made me think of it immediately and I love that movie. So I'm always cool with uh, callbacks to that. And basically dies the same way more or less yeah yeah it, 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 like even he like literally what to him. the only the only difference is he doesn't say he's invincible you can tell he clearly thinks he's invincible and then yeah. she just shoots him yeah yeah uh, he's just smart. like pretty yeah pretty smart huh but not that smart <laughs> i love her so much yeah she's yeah she's awesome um the the other thing i want to talk about that i wanted to just mention rowan moeller i wish had been considered the main villain of this movie because he was so good. When he tunnels his way in through the basement, and when that arm just comes out and strangles that poor bastard, yeah, he gets fucking Batman, dude. Yeah, fucking, <laughs> fucking, um, fucking Jonah's down in deep thirteen, <laughs> just gets fucking. You know, you know who he should play? He should play like a Punisher villain. Uh, Absolutely, I would totally be on that because, like, yeah, he he does have that kind of just like fucked up physicality to him where he, he will fuck you up at a moment's notice yes um absolutely but but yeah uh i, I overall i, I like the movie and i do think it uh and i'll let you talk about your final uh topic that you wanted to talk about but i just want to talk about um i i do like the movie um i i think the people that kind of like went after it didn't really uh like for instance i always have more of a problem with a movie kind of like overstepping its uh its original like um intent uh the one thing i always think back to is just how much of a fucking genius christopher nolan thought he was for making tenant and the movie oh, I still haven't seen is, it. the movie is so shoved so far up his own ass he thinks it's just so intelligent and so good i i will always prefer to have a movie like this that is not like um trying to fight above its weight class yeah it's not trying to fight above its weight class it's not pretentious it knows what it is it's just trying to be an entertaining movie because it's a movie with the rock and a burning 500,000 tall foot tall building. They, 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 it's just they an knew what the movie. audience expected when the moment the yeah, rock they, was casted. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it, it would be like criticizing cliffhanger or diehard for not being Schindler's list. Yeah. And I, and, and I just feel like, like film criticism just in general has pivoted to be like, Oh, so this movie isn't trying to be like, oscar bait or a think piece or you know this they're they're like trying to take the movie and amplify what its ambitions were and i just don't think that's fair because like this movie was just meant to be a movie that you watched on tnt with your dad on a sunday afternoon and have a good time and there's nothing wrong with that absolutely what why why does fast and the furious 27 get a pass and skyscraper doesn't it's the same goal 
you know it, they're just trying to be an entertaining movie i i, I just don't i don't get that um and i guarantee that you that this is a reaction. better more well thought out movie than fast and furious 62 is any day it's a it's a better fucking movie than like i'm not saying ha- you know if yeah. you enjoy fast and furious great you know like it's if it's a fun movie it's, it's a fun movie but yeah i think yeah. that this like you said this movie catches so much flack and i don't get it i, um, I just don't get yeah. it it's got like a 48%. Because it's not Scorsese, I guess. Like, I don't... Yeah. It's like not everything has to, has to like try and set out to reinvent the wheel. You know, you can just have not a Not everything can be the masterpiece Joker was, okay? Yeah. But, you know, which definitely wasn't a Control-C, Control-V of the Taxi Driver script at all. Like, not at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I um. Now, now there there are some issues. I, I think the hologram stuff is a little forced in this movie. Actually, yeah. Like, I I I think I would have rather them just have a straight up fist fight, f- fist fight third act that like wasn't dedicated around this kind of like very very random plot device. That's that's like a, an issue I had with the movie where when they start having him fucking. <laughs> like funhouse mirror his way to save the day i'm just kind of like ah, that's a little that's a, that kind of just steps like one foot you know over the cheesy line for me a little bit too far one foot like, ah, over the 226 story building yeah just a little bit too much for me but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't like ruin the movie for me because like what I'm, i i really liked and, it, and it's so funny that's what his motivations were for like making the movie in the first place but like i really like the the cliffhanger aspects of this more than the diehard aspects of it so that's what like sells the movie for me if but you what, even look at the poster some... if you even look at the poster it looks like a diehard poster him hanging from the edge of the skyscraper mm-hmm. um yeah what I was... was that other um talking point you had though I, I didn't want to cut you off i just wanted to kind of like no that's fine i, I was actually curious to hear like what some of your issues would have been if you had any specific um I, I expected you to say the sword was heavy-handed because they eh. make a direct reference of him putting down his sword, quote-unquote, and he literally oh. picks up a sword. Oh, well, one other thing I, I just really really quickly want to talk about. So was him not using a gun, like an intentional callback to like the rundown? Because wasn't that his whole thing in the rundown where he was like, you don't want to see know. me use a gun? Because I'm pretty sure in the rundown, I was actually expecting it to happen in this movie because like the whole time he's like, you don't want to see me use a gun until the very end when he just like fucking punishers like 50 dudes and in this movie i thought they were going to end it with him eventually using a gun but it was cool that he the entire film he sticks to uh you know he he, he sticks to his code yeah he he never uses a gun i actually thought that was but he did yeet a guy into a sword sticking out of a wall (laughs) (laughs) did you see that hey hey he said he's like he said he wouldn't use a gun technically (laughs) he's still on his code he's fine he grabbed the guy by like his underwear and his shirt collar and <laughs> smashed him sideways into a sword sticking out of a wall. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's walking that one off. I agree with you on the funhouse mirror fight. However, I always enjoy me a funhouse mirror fight. <laughs> that John Wick one is probably my favorite one. Oh, I think but... the John Wick 2 one is fucking incredible just because of the amount of so, so what I think makes it like different too is how obviously like CGI the skyscraper funhouse right. mirror stuff is versus how much of the John Wick one seems to be them just using like camera tricks and it's fucking amazing. Uh, it, it just felt kind of like shoehorned in for a skyscraper, to right? Me. 
but not bad enough to like definitely not like i i think this movie like this this movie has like a negative reputation it has a 48 percent on rotten tomatoes what i think this movie is is kind of like a c minus movie where you kind of have to shut off your brain to some extent because of how predictable it is and how they go a little bit too far in some instances, like with the Funhouse Mirror stuff. But it's 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 definitely worth your well, time, and if and it's 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 not a bad movie by any means. But a little devil's advocate here, doesn't the fact that it is predictable also pay homage to the era that like Cliffhanger would have been in? Like True. all of the old eighties uh, and nineties action movies. Yeah, because I mean. It's, those movies, plot-wise, there wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely you wanted bad. to watch Sylvester Stallone fuck a person up is what you wanted to see, you know? It, yeah, exactly. It, it's just, it's one of those things where when you watch a movie and you can figure it out in its entirety in about ninety seconds, you know, it, it, you can't help but it's kind of like, oh man, like the, it's it's to the movie's credit that it ends up being like as what what engaging as it is. Yeah, is, what I think yeah. that saves it from that, like I said at the beginning of the show, was. It's not about getting, it's not point A and point B. It's not the beginning and the end. It's the journey to point B. There's so much good stuff that happens on the way through oh my, the dude. plot that when, you don't even need to worry is, about the plot. When he is dangling from the building and his leg is disconnecting, uh-huh. you're just like, oh my God, dude. I'm, I'm like, no thanks. It's intense. It, like everything that has to do with him in danger from gravity. You know, <laughs> right? His gravity was the real villain. Yeah. Uh, the 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 prosthetic leg could have crossed a line so easy. Yeah, absolutely. And they just they kind of straddle that line. I say, as someone who's not an amputee, um, I like it's not over the too over the top. It's not too heavy handed. Like everything that happens with the prosthetic leg, you can believe. Right, yeah. I like that I, he I, wedges I totally it agree. in the door. By the way, to stop the door, I, I like the little like kiss he gives to it. <laughs> yes, uh, towards the end too. It's pretty cool because because I, I agree. This very easily could have gone into the the like into the territory of it's offensive right. to amputees and uh and 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 it becomes ableism just by default because of like what he's doing and what his injury is. But I like the fact that to me it ends up being the opposite where I like that they have this representation to where, like you said, like you, you never see it. So the fact that they at least straddle the line and never make it cartoony, and they didn't never make, make it, it offensive to me either. Yeah. You know, it, this um, movie could have easily been focused solely on the leg or the lack of leg that it, it's just a part of the character. It has nothing to do yeah, with the character. They, they keep it as subtext instead of text. And yes. that is like a great decision uh, to keep it from uh, addition through from, subtraction. Exactly. To keep, to keep, uh, to keep it from like venturing into that territory of it being a problem. They, I think they did a great job as, uh, as well. I, I totally agree. I want to plug Jeff Glassbrenner is his name. I think that's how you say it. Glassbrenner. Uh, he was the consultant for the rock on this movie he is a, um, I, th- there are terms for it. I don't know the terms. He is a single amputee. He's missing one leg. This dude lost his leg when he was eight. And he's the first American amputee to summit Mount Everest. And he Holy summited shit. Mount Everest on his first attempt. That is wild. He's a three-time Paralympian. 
And he is a champion wheelchair basketball player. No shit. That is awesome. That's awesome. He, everything The Rock did in this movie, he coached and consulted. So The Rock walks a very specific way in this movie. He runs a very specific way in this movie. And they have behind the scenes footage of him running across the top of the crane and doing the jump over and over again. And like the guy talking to him about like, the way he would make that run if he was doing it. Um, things like that. And you see the shot when they get the one that they use in the movie and Jeff Glassbrenner is just like, that's it. That's the way I would have done it. You know? And like they, they had him through the whole movie. They brought him in and there's this really cool moment where when they bring him in to consult on the movie, you see the rock, like introducing him to the crew, like with a microphone, and that's so awesome walking down the guy's credentials and stuff it's really cool uh i couldn't find a lot of details on the like five minutes of googling i did apparently he's a part of some everest documentary it's not about him but there is a mount everest documentary i believe on netflix i think it might just be called everest that they feature jeff glassbrenner in and part of his story in and i just wanted to plug it because I couldn't do any of that with both of my legs. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, I, I think just the attention to detail they had with the way that he walked and ran to with that, that type of injury, too, mm-hmm. shows that they cared. You know, it, it wasn't just like a haphazard, uh, like, contrived plot device to make him be in some of these uh, situations, you know, to make them even more perilous, perilous than they already would have. It was genuinely them taking it seriously and like uh, approaching everything with it, with respect of uh, actually taking the time to put that into like the character's mannerisms and everything. It's really cool. The other side of that coin though, is there was another uh, Paralympian. I didn't write her name down. So I thought I'd remember it since I mentioned Jeff by name. I should probably look her up. Um, but she was very vocal in criticizing the movie, but it wasn't for what I thought it was going to be in her defense. Uh, I see what, um, I don't, I don't believe this. I had the article in front of me and I just Googled it again, same search terms and I'm not getting it. Uh, anyways, she was criticizing the movie, not for the way, amputees were portrayed it was more the fact that they didn't cast an amputee for the movie um yeah i i I kind of understand that um because at first when i first saw the headline it was dwayne johnson blasted by paralympian for playing amputee in skyscraper they have a typo good job people good job um lol we are being sidelined is the name of this article with way too long a title. Um, Katie Sullivan. Bilateral. That's what I was looking for. She is, uh, both of her legs are amputated. So bilateral, I guess that would make him unilateral. Um, But her exact quote was, uh, and I see where she's coming from, but I have a counterpoint to it also. It's individuals with disabilities make up 20% of the world's population. But in um, 2% of characters in TV and film are written with disabilities and 95% of those roles are filled with able-bodied actors. 
So it when I first read it, I thought it was just, you know, how offensive is this? But I, I, I get where she's coming from. The counterpoint that I have, though, is the story of Ross and Marshall Thurber talking about... Uh, I'm trying to remember, the podcast I was listening to is directors interviewing other directors about their movies. So it's a different interviewer every time and a different person being interviewed every time. That's pretty cool. And I forget who it was that was uh, interviewing him, but uh, he said, you know, for people that write and direct their own stuff, what is uh, the best advice you think you could give them? And he said, whether or not you've talked to him, whether or not it's confirmed, doesn't matter. Anytime you're pitching a project, pitch it with the rock in the lead role and you'll get traction. And that is exactly why an able-bodied person was casted in this movie. It was because there's not a lot of actors these days that are the ones putting asses in seats. You and I have talked about this in the past. There has been a slight shift towards people following certain writers and directors more than actors. Mm -hmm. But... Dwayne Johnson is one of the handful of actors that still puts asses in seats. And that is what this movie needed. So wait, wait, are you are you saying Will Smith no longer does that? <laughs> oh, no, uh is Will, that too soon. Will, <laughs> Will Smith has uh taken his career to the back alley, I think. Yeah. Uh yeah, he's uh he slapped yeah. his own face this time. Yes. But yeah, gonna so. be the fucking genie to get your ass out of that one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! So yeah, I wanted to throw that in there. The uh, the last point that you mentioned, it's not a big one. That's why I've saved it this long. Uh, Nev Campbell's character, I fucking love the way her character is used in this movie because the trope for this type of action movie is what we see at the beginning of the movie, right? The helpless mother hugging a child in the corner of the room while the action is happening around them. And that is what all the bad guys in this movie expect Nev Campbell to be. But she is ex-military. She's a combat medic. She's a combat yeah. medic. Yeah. So she has combat training. And there is a subtext that happens. You know the the movie where the, the part of the movie where he Herculeses the bridge so she can cross? Oh yeah. Yeah. So think about that for a moment. Just think about what is being implied there. He sent his wife, the, who could have easily fallen to her death, to go get the, it was the son, right? Um, and then had to cross back instead of doing it himself. The beginning of the movie, he has a whole team with him, but he's the only one making a call or making an action. He's the only one trying to negotiate and he's the only one that tries to stop the guy from the detonator when Buddy over there had a shot lined up that he could have taken. Uh, now, here we are 10 years later. He's finding himself in a similar situation. And he's ex-military. His wife is ex-military. They're each aware of the training the other one would have gone through right? How they're going to handle themselves in situations. He knows that she can cross that plank just like he would have known 
uh, Buddy, whatever his character Ben, could have taken that shot probably, but he didn't want to risk the kid. So now he's risking his wife to get his son um, back across. And it's just the way Nev Campbell is used in this movie is fascinating to me because every trope for the wife of the superhero in the movie is taken is blown completely out of the water by her. I mean, when yeah. they take her hostage and she fucking stabs the dude in the leg and then Dwayne Johnson yeets him off the bridge. Like, yeah, I think I think he's I think he's still falling to this very day with how tall that bully is. <laughs> he hit terminal velocity on the way down, dude. Like <laughs> he's like fucking Loki and Ragnarok. <laughs> I have been falling for thirty minutes. But when he hit, it was very much like Keith David. Oh um, man. Yeah. So. I don't know, just the way that she is utilized in this movie, I wanted to hear your thoughts on because it goes against every trope for an action movie, I think. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. I, I like how they they uh, like he's like the th- my favorite part of it is how uh like you like you said like the the enemy character like the villains are taking into account tropes of the genre yes. basically. They're like, like, oh, like they're they're underestimating it's a woman. her. What's a woman yeah. gonna do? And then gets yeah. yeeted off a bridge after being stabbed. <laughs> like- I, I also, I also really like the scene that they take the time to talk about how like she's helping them, um, even outside the context of like having to like walk across the beam, but just as far as like helping them um, combat the fire because she just knows her shit. You know, she's a combat medic. You know, she's talking about like how she has them like yeah. uh, douse the cloths in water to have like clean filtration. You know, like for their masks and stuff. Like she just knows her shit. So even there's before cool little that- touches. Um, Even before that, the first time Roland Moeller walks on screen and she sees them, think about it. Uh, she probably knows a lot more about the building than we're letting on or that we're led to believe because she's living in this building with her husband, who she says knows more about this building at this point than the architect. So she probably knows no one is supposed to be up there with them. She questions them about the phone lines because they said they're going to, they had to do something on the phone line. She's like, huh, I didn't think those are supposed to be up yet. And like, she sees the parachutes, like the insignia and stuff. Like all of her combat training is already starting to kick in. Like she's noticing shit out of place immediately. And she's immediately wary. The first thing she does is put like a thing, a, a pair of scissors in her fucking pocket because it's the closest thing to a weapon she's got mm-hmm. that she can carry, you know, without stabbing a child. So, yeah. like, from the very beginning, her training is kicking in. And then, uh, once she's out of the building, her role doesn't end. Like, they make a specific point that, like, he knows one sentence, um, in, uh, in Chinese, but she is a linguistics expert. And when they try to speak in front of her, and she's just fucking listening, and she chimes in yeah, in the cool. native tongue, that was pretty good. And then um, the other thing that I appreciate, I rolled my eyes at the beginning of the movie the first time I saw this, that she doesn't know how to work her phone. Because I was like, okay, we're in the most state-of-the-art structure in the world. She's going to be stranded in it and she can't work her phone. So obviously she's just an idiot that blunders around the building, right? That doesn't come back into play until the very end of the movie when she has her hands on the tablet and Mm. she doesn't know what to do. So she just reboots it 
because of the line at the beginning of the movie. I really appreciate them not just slamming that in our face again and again and again. Yeah. Um, really, really annoying. And then the very last point I had about her character that I thought was cool. They actually sat down and talked about if she was going to fight Shia, what would be her priorities and how could she successfully do it? Because we've already seen that Shia is John Wick, like you said. So they're like, well, if she was in a very enclosed space, right? Like, say, the backseat of a car, she the, Shia would have limited movements as well as Nev Campbell would. But um, Nev Campbell's combat training is not necessarily superior in that, but it's for close quarters. It's for close arenas. I mean, military combat training is in tight hallways and cramped spaces, right? Um, not so much martial arts, which is usually in a big wide open area. And yeah. then they talked about the different motivations. Like she is just trying to kill her, but her Nev Campbell's motivation for that scene, it wasn't necessarily to have a knockdown drag out. It was to, Hey, police, I'm being attacked over here kind of situation. Cause she is a combat medic but she's not a frontline soldier at the same time. She has combat training, but it's not her area of expertise. And even a full-blown like combat soldier would have had problems because military training is because the same she is as, a Terminator. Like, yeah, that, well, like <laughs> there's there's like military training, and then there's John Wick training. And right. She's had like that extent of it. We're like, you're not only just capable, like you you you're just a like a fucking just punisher you know like you, you can take out an entire room like like your like goddamn terminator like you said so yeah, yeah. so anyways I, I just appreciate the use of nev campbell's character because you don't see that character used that way very often like in most in most action films once she's out of the building you don't see her again till the end of the movie yeah like like um basically like um oh god i forget her name but mrs mclean you know yes basically like that yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um well, but we yeah, brought it full uh, circle we brought it back to die hard exactly uh but yeah uh, i think i've kind of touched on everything i had that was there anything else that you'd missed talking about no no i i think uh i pretty pretty got it i mean as far as my trivia begins and ends the building is supposed to look like a dragon holding a pearl in its mouth that's uh it's about all i got interesting <laughs> <laughs> i did not i did not put that together at all from watching the I, movie. I didn't either that, that came to me uh in the special features gotcha um i mean i've got an anecdote that involves a pineapple okay i'm intrigued <laughs> you're like wait who fucked a pineapple <laughs> um apparently i heard this twice i heard this in the special features to the movie and in that interview I told you about, Ross and Marshall Thurber was in a weird place when he was talking to The Rock about this movie. He didn't even have a script yet, so he wrote up three pages to send The Rock. That was the basic, basic idea that he had for the movie and the characters, the plot, right? And he's talking to The Rock, and... He's like, okay, so he's like, look at the stuff I'm sending you, and uh, you know, don't don't worry about call me back or anything. You have to call me back. Uh, just just let me know. And he's like, if I'm not supposed to call you back, how am I supposed to let you know? 
And he's like, I don't know, send me a picture of a pineapple. And the rock was like, what? And he was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, just send me a picture of a pineapple and I'll know you're in. And the rock's like, okay, so if I'm not in? And he's like, I don't know, send me a dick pic. And the rock's like, uh, okay. I, I can now 1000% believe this is a guy that wrote dodgeball just based on this conversation. <laughs> and he's, I, the first time I heard it was in the podcast and that's filmed and recorded in front of an audience. And you just hear the audience react to this. And he's like, look, I was, he's like, it wasn't my best work guys. Okay. I understand. But then, uh, he hangs up and a few days later, he just gets a call from the rock. Just like, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, man. I just. I. I'm. I can't do it. I mean, the. It's just too similar to another movie I'm doing with this other director. And he gives like specific director names and specific details of the movie. And he's just like, he's like, I just. I'm not gonna be able to. Uh, to do this. But you know, good. Good luck on. On the getting the movie made and and finding a replacement and all that. And he's like, all right. And he's sitting there and he's just like. Well, this idea was just born and died, right? Just kind of like depressed in his car. And then his phone buzzes and it's the rock, a picture of the rock holding a pineapple, giving him the finger and just smiling ear to ear. <laughs> and he was like, dude, he's like, I wanted the guy for the role and I didn't know he could act like that. Like I bought it hook, line and sinker. That is amazing. <laughs> then in the special features, it's cutting back and forth between Thurber and The Rock talking about this. And when it gets to the part where The Rock let him stew for four days, he's like, he's like, I mean, I was instantly in before he sent me anything. Like, I know, I worked with him at Central Intelligence. I'll work with him again. I know what he's like. Sure. He's like, but he just seemed really, like, not confident at all in the idea. So he sent me the pages. And even though I was instantly in, I just let him sit for, like, four days just to do it. Just to keep him on the edge. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, it was so good. I was laughing so hard when I was listening to this. Uh, but yeah, oh, he man. just happened to have a pineapple in his kitchen and he went to his wife. He's just like, take a picture of me with this pineapple. And she was like, excuse me? And he was like, just take a picture of me with this pineapple. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Don't, don't question do it. it. Just do it. <laughs> oh, man. And but, uh, uh, he, Thurber... In the special features on this movie, I keep I keep referring to that because I own this movie. If it's not obvious, um, he holds up his phone and shows the picture of the rock sent him. The pine, it's just like is that uh, background? It's just the rock <laughs> holding the pine up. Uh, Shit, it would be, it'd be uh, for me. But yeah, uh, but but yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad that you uh, picked this just to give me an excuse to check it out. Uh, I've been wanting to show uh, you this movie for a long time because I was very I I figured. You would probably either really like this movie or be in the middle. I didn't think you would hate it, but this movie is a weird pick because I feel like it's in between both of us, right? Like, I love movies that I don't... There's a lot of movies I love that the plot literally couldn't care less. The plot doesn't come into it at all. It's just a bunch of donuts rolling around town eating people or something, right? Or yeah. it's land sharks, um, <laughs> you know, something. I, I love a lot of movies like that. And I'm not trying to say that the stuff that you like tends to be highbrow or anything like that, because you and I like a lot of the same stuff. But being an aspiring writer, you look at things a lot harder than I do. So 
I didn't know where this one would fall because, like I said, it's a weird one. It's uh, yeah. it's got a lot um, of plot problems. It's got a lot of cliche elements happening to it. But at the same time, it's kind of well written. <laughs> like it's the, yeah, the, it's they, a they, really they weird movie. It, it easily could have been phoned in in a lot of different ways, and it wasn't, which is to the movie's credit. Uh, as far as me taking stuff into account to like a harsher degree. It depends. I, I, I base a lot, base basically what I talked about earlier. I will kind of like meet the director or writer halfway. If you are going to be Christopher Nolan on Tenet thinking you are giving like people like, like the fucking best shit since sliced bread, I'm going to grade you incredibly harshly because you think this product is like highbrow when it's really not. And I will grade you on like a much like steeper curve uh, if... I know, like, for instance, how we talked about, I, I talked about it earlier, Steven Spielberg being the director of Crystal Skull. Like, you got to know better on some of this shit because I'm going to grade you on, like, your the resume. Steven Spielberg scale? <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm going to grade you on your resume, what I know you can do and what, uh, like, uh, it, it was one of the things that pissed me off so much about um, uh, James Cameron's career. Oh. is like, James, James Cameron, Cameron has made some of my favorite movies of all time. And he's made Avatar, and it just breaks my heart. <laughs> Sadly, he's a dipshit. <laughs> I will always grade him on the Terminator scale or the Alien scale because right. I know he can do it. And then when you turn in shit that is like Avatar, I'm just like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like double down on, uh, it, like I will take every movie on its own account and grade it on a, like a case to case basis because like I don't think you should be grading Skyscraper on the same curve you do like a tenant or you, like something from on that scale. Cause they're, like they're, Godfather. they're setting out, they're setting out. Yeah. You have like the Godfather, you know, you have like, like what is skyscraper setting out to do versus something like seven sets out to do. Right. Like, and I think that's a huge problem with like modern criticism is like, they're great. Everything, everything has to be seven. Everything has to be seven. Everything has to be the Godfather, but it doesn't. Why can't Pacific Rim exist? Why can't Skyscraper exist? You've apparently given a free pass to Fast and the Furious for some godforsaken reason. You've apparently given a free pass to Avatar, even though it's dog shit. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just find it weird how some stuff gets a free pass and some stuff doesn't. When it, it like this movie shouldn't get like a free pass, you know, like you know, it has some problems, but it's not bad. It's perfectly fine, and like I, I think the best way. This is like a Sunday afternoon TNT movie you like watch with your dad and drink a six pack too. And there's more than enough room in Hollywood for that movie to exist. And I'm glad movies like That's that exist. That's my favorite kind of movie, man. Yeah. And what's funny too is like, you know, you talked about like, you thought I might like grade it more harshly. I'm kind of like in between like your side of the scale and like the artsy fartsy. I will only watch like the movies the that Venn are like diagram, nominated. We cross for... over quite a bit. We overlap quite a yeah. bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm kind of like in between. Like, I, I do like stuff that is like what some people I, do I was consider trying to like... think of a not insulting way to say what I said. I could not. I'm extremely exhausted and, pr pr and uh, probably dehydrated. <laughs> so yeah. my brain is just not working. No, no, I, um, I, I totally get it. But, uh, but the thing is, I just like movies in general. So I watch just about anything. So like my stuff that I watch kind of spreads out all over the place, all different types of genres, all different types of scale as far as how 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 self-important the movie thinks it is how self-important the director is so I, i'm kind of in between 
Like, you know, like there are some people that will like, oh, it's not nominated for best picture at the Oscars. Oh, I won't watch it then. And like, yeah. I hate those types of people. <laughs> that's that's what I think that's kind of what you're referring to. Uh, but yeah, you know, like, shit, I'll watch a dumb movie. And I, I'm not saying this movie is dumb, but I'll watch a fucking dumb movie. If it's good and fun and it knows what it is. I like one of my favorite movies that like I mention it all the time. One of my favorite movies of the past, like 15 years is Pacific Rim. <laughs> so I can just sit down with Pacific Rim, fucking turn that shit up on the TV Drink your beers, have a great fucking time, you know? Such like, a there's good no, nothing, movie. Wrong, nothing wrong with that, man. It's like, if you want to watch The Rock, you know, kick some ass, almost fall off a skyscraper like 17 times, you can fucking do it, man. Like, have fun. Do it. We didn't, we didn't talk about uh, one of my favorite scenes, though, because he doesn't use a gun anymore. Uh, when he first gets in the, uh, the skyscraper, you know, the... Uh, What's the GIF you always send me when we're getting ready to play PUBG? Is it Arnold Schwarzenegger with like the? Oh, uh, I think the, it's Commando. Commando. Where, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, where he's like uh, suiting up and yes. uh, putting on the yeah. There's a scene in this movie when he first gets back in the skyscraper that that's essentially what he's doing, but it's like pulling out the Lara Croft rebar and duct taping it and like getting the rope and putting a roll of duct tape in this bag and like this is uh, him hammering his leg back into straightness <laughs> like. You know, yep. Uh, that scene, I thought, I, I really love that scene because it's got kind of that vibe and like kind of that music going on, but it's literally a guy with a hammer and a prosthetic leg and yeah. some duct tape. And yeah. you know, my favorite line in the movie: "If you can't fix it with duct tape, you ain't using enough duct tape." As yeah, he's bandaging himself with duct tape. The, the 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 ongoing running joke of the duct tape is pretty funny. I yes. enjoy that, and also like when he just Spider Man's like you said with a fucking duct tape hand wrapper things. Like no thanks. Yeah, fuck a lot of that, my man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're running pretty long on this episode, so I think we probably better wrap it up pretty soon. Uh, any other final thoughts on Skyscraper Run? No, just check it out before you fucking judge it, people. Yeah, if you want, like, I will never uh, <laughs> talk shit about someone having an opinion about a thing, but you really need to experience the thing before you really could talk about it i i say as someone who has shit talked twilight for 15 years and i've never watched it <laughs> but you oh know, like, God. Every, every, why yeah. did you open that can of worms uh, i've opened pandora's box we absolutely. have friends and family months jeff well not, not anymore we don't not i've axed that in real time <laughs> i throw in friends the and family in the fucking fiery abyss <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to check out this show more and why wouldn't you you know, just make sure to subscribe whichever platform you caught us on. This is Any one of my favorite reviews? movies and one of my favorite episodes that we've done. I think we covered a lot of ground in this episode. Yeah. It's been pretty fun. Covered a lot of ground like the, <laughs> the fucking dude throwing the fiery abyss below <laughs> that is still falling dude, to this day. He hit that guy like he was trying to break down a door. Like he just <laughs> took off running like a charging bull and just slammed into him with his shoulder. After getting stabbed oh, in the leg, like that's a one-two punch. Like one's just a nut kick for no reason. <laughs> oh, oh god. Uh, yeah. Any ratings or reviews uh, you can give us on any platform you found us on greatly helps. Uh, share it out to your friends if you uh, if you, you know, have friends enjoy listening to us. Yeah, friends are nice friends, occasionally. Friends are nice. They occasionally mean well. Friends occasionally mean well. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, we are on. We are on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. You can follow us for show updates and whatever uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie screenshots I have retweeted <laughs> for the day. That's uh, my one of my favorite Twitter accounts of all time is Ed, Ed and Eddie screenshots or whatever they have. It. <laughs> the one that you retweeted of Ed just like 
Well, like eating in one bite double d's head for no he's like reason. fucking boa constrictor him dude and just like jesus christ <laughs> and he was fucking weird jump. and i love it i love it so much um that show oh, also and we, we talked about it earlier if you have any prompts or questions you would like uh answered by ron and myself in the opening part of the show email us screenplayrewind at gmail.com and the last bit of business we have to do is to uh confirm the next movie yep and we are doing Something slightly different. I don't know if we've actually done this. I am picking a movie that you and I have not seen yet. Oh, I think we did that one other time. I just don't remember what's what. I Because I, we did Wonder Woman when it was out, but we had already watched it when right. I think when we confirmed it. So we are going to be covering Prey. Oh, cool. That just came out tonight. That just came out today. I really, really want to watch it. I want to give myself an excuse to watch it as soon as possible. So we are covering Prey, uh, which is the new Predator sequel prequel. Uh, directed by the, Dan Trachtenberg. The direct The pre-sequel. <laughs> Predator, the search for more money. Uh, it is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, one of my favorite movies the past several years. Cannot wait. So stoked to check that out. Ron and I are both big Predator nerds, and we will be watching it, so like, why not talk about it? So, Into the Woods? Is that the one you and I both had never seen? Uh, I think that's a bit different, though, just because that was picked for us. That's this was true. one we're just kind of like picking ourselves, but going in blind. Um, I, and I, I haven't looked up any reviews. I don't know anything about it other than the very basic premise. Uh, and I am just excited to check it out. So yeah, we will talk about that in two weeks. Uh, Prey on Hulu. And I think it's a Hulu exclusive. So I believe check so. it out on there. But yeah, um, I, think that's, uh, I think that's about it. Anything I, I missed wrong? Nope. I think we, uh, we about covered it. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we, uh, we did it. Uh, end of conversation. <laughs> in transmission <laughs> this podcast will self-destruct in 15 seconds <laughs> speaking of tropes I'll be right back okay don't I've had to pee for like an hour <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you wanted to wrap it up <laughs> <laughs>